0: Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Samuel Del Pilar, Marketing Director for On Running, we talk about his pathway into the industry, his experience and interest in technical products, and the future of running. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase. And joining me today is Samuel Del Pilar, uh, Director of Marketing uh, for Lifestyle Product at On. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for
1: having me. Um, yeah. Couldn't have kept going uh, on our chat, so uh, excited to, to keep
0: it going. I know we were talking for about half an hour before this, and we probably should have been recording all of it. It was good stuff, but um, you know, I appreciate talking to you. Um, I mean, just to be able to go back and forth and and exchange ideas, uh, you know, is one of the things that I'm excited about. You know, regarding the program that we have here at the university, and um, I mean, just the opportunity to collaborate between you know an education institution and industry is is really fun, and and there's a lot of interesting ideas that come come from that, and. Um, i mean that 's how we got acquainted was through the outdoor recreation archive that that we 've been putting together here at the university and and publishing that through the instagram account that we 've got um, you know It was great to get connected that way and and you know we 've been kind of discussing our our shared interest in the history of the industry so um, you know but but for this conversation, wanted to get into a little bit more about your your background in the industry kind of your pathway into it. Um, you know, especially during this time with a lot of uncertainty, we, we want to have conversations with people in the industry about how they're doing, how they're facing, you know, kind of the uncertain times, the challenges of, of the day. Uh, we want to be able to share those with with students in our program and, and you know, people within our our sphere and our orbit of this program. And, um, you know, I think especially right now, people need connections. So, um, and to hear from people who are doing it and have been doing it for a while and, and for a few different brands is, is always really helpful. So thanks for being willing to share some of your, your thoughts and perspective.
1: Of course. Of course. Thank I you. guess,
0: I guess, first of all, how are you doing personally? I mean, you're, you're in New York. I mean, you're in, you're in the heart of things. Um, had, were you there? How long have you been in New York? I guess, first of all.
1: Uh, yep. Currently in New York. I've uh, been here the last, you know, since. Uh, I moved back to New York in November last year. Always on the fence of like traveling, getting away, but you know, just my family's here, and you know, with work starting, it just made sense to stay in New York. Um, I-, I love to get away um, on the weekends, so still just taking trips upstate um, to sort of get out of the core city. Um, so I've been in the city the entire time.
0: What what's that experience been like you with with the lockdowns, the uncertainty? What have you been feeling during the last few months?
1: Yeah, uh, I've I've told many friends it's been an emotional and mental like roller coaster for the most part, and so just treating your routine quite differently than you might be used to, and then I've I just simplified my my routines overall. So where before you know, New York city, people are here for certain reasons and it's the city because of, you know, those reasons. So with everything sort of shutting down and on lockdown, you kind of just revert, revert back to just a simpler part of your day to day. So I've, I've actually quite enjoyed that. Um, fortunate that I'm okay. My family is safe for the most part and um, working with on. So a company with great optimism and people sort of looking out, it's, it, Things have been positive for the most part, so I'm fortunate. The city, in general, it's at a weird place, you know, just with the city highly dependent on foot traffic and retail and the things that are still shut down. You know, it's kind of quiet in areas, but it's been opening up the past few weeks, so there's a bit more energy in the city, Um, but still a lot of tension just with everything happening, you know, socially um, in our country. In New York City, you get to see the, the heart, of like those emotions and it hasn't been easy. Um, I live in East Harlem. So in a neighborhood where you you see it, you know, day in and day night, uh, day in and night. So, you know, you get your ups and downs, you know, it's good to see things that, you know, businesses are opening back up and people are starting to support their local businesses, but it's also tough because we're still facing, you know, something greater than that.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. And, you know, it's, yeah. It's just uncertain time all around. Um, I mean, it's a common thread whenever I talk to people in the industry, you know, we have these conversations and it's, it's kind of similar sentiments. Um, you know, and, and especially people who are, you know, in a, in a large city like yourself, I, we talked with Nicole McLaughlin and and a similar sentiment, right. Um, you know, just, just uncertainty, but you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, um, and, and happy to hear that, you, that you're seeing, you know, some, some positives, um, and some opening up and, and hopefully there's a way to do that safely. So, right. Um, you know, with, with that said, we're, you know, we're going to take a few steps back because I want to know a little bit more about how you got into this industry and, and, um, you know, why product for you? And I guess, how, how did you get started? How did you get into all of this? And, and maybe, you know, what, were, were there products that stuck out to you and, and there was a moment where you realized, Oh, I could be a part of that process, right? I could be a part of, of, uh, you know, the creation of great products or, you know, what, what was that moment for you?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, you know, so my, my entry point into the industry was primarily on, you know, the, the lifestyle space so as a kid growing up in New York. It just, it's just a part of your day to day to be obsessed with certain, you know, uh, footwear models, brands. And so I was obsessed with obviously Jordan and certain Air Max series. And then, you know, as you grow older, you know, you become a student of this industry. And I, I was fortunate to have a few mentors in, you know, in the process and just meet a lot of great people. And my entry happened to be product just by nature of like what I fell in love with. And I think the, the roles that were available within the companies, you know, I've been a part of, but so growing up, I, I loved just sneakers. Uh, I collected them, not to the great extent, a lot of my friends might have, but, you know, it, it was just a part of, you know, our culture in terms of art, you know, your mode of expression, music. And so as I got into college, um, it was always something that I loved. And I studied mechanical engineering. Um, was fortunate to meet a professor um, my second year of school who, who was a professor within the kinesiology department. And so I created a, a sort of track upon myself that w- had a focus on biomechanics just given I was studying mechanical engineering. And that was really my entry to like this world of you know the footwear industry, I think more formally. he had contracts with at the time uh, Brooks running New Balance and uh, the military, and his network spanned you know across all the footwear brands and so I started working for him directly um, in the the r and d lab and so we would test all of the products on the athletes on campus and um, you know, that that led me to introductions to to the various brands. So graduating, um, I loved everything that I did, you know, studying biomechanics and, like, the the hardcore engineering and development part of footwear. But I also, like, missed the cultural elements of, like, what was, like, more intuitive and, you know, personal to me. So I uh, I took a job um, with Reebok as a, you know, like a tech rep slash, like, marketing uh, field rep. So very entry-level and non-traditional, I would say, for like all the other engineers in my class. But I knew I wanted to be in the industry. And so with the opportunity at Reebok, at the time their headquarters uh, was in Canton, so like just south of Boston. Um, They recently moved over to uh, like the actual Boston area. But um, took that job and about a year in uh, received a few offers closer to product, knowing that's where I wanted to go. Um, so I had a few different experiences while I was at Reebok across, you know, retail marketing to, uh, merchandising, and then finally some products.
0: Everyone's pathways is, is so different, right? And that's, that's one way we know that we've kind of been on the right track is when people tell us, Oh, I wish there was a program that could have, you know, been an on-ramp for me. And, um, it's, it's amazing that you were able to find a way to kind of create your own pathway. Uh, create your own degree in a way um and create your own on-ramp into the industry um i imagine that gives you kind of a unique perspective where you came with the this appreciation for product you know from an art perspective an aesthetic perspective but we're able to blend that with like the functional like let's test product let's test performance you know brooks brooks product um you know, from a performance perspective, do you feel like that was really influential for you being able to blend those two, um, different perspectives?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, there were a few different touch points that amplified, you know, that, that experience in those perspectives. One, when I was in school, uh, my, my sort of thesis project, um, was with the basketball players on campus. And, um, I reached out to Nike um, at the time and I think their head of R&D was this gentleman named Mario Laffertune. I don't know if he's there anymore, but uh, he was nice enough to donate product um, just based off of the relationship I had with my professor. And um, so I I sort of kept in touch throughout the process of my thesis. But my goal at the time was really to understand what was happening on court in the NBA um, at the time. And it was the, the, the hyper dunk I was receiving, um, you know, issues on court, but it was a, an amazing style that was being worn, you know, all throughout the neighborhood I was living in and just, you know, I think it was pivotal for basketball in general. And so I wanted to highlight, you know, what that shoe meant culturally, but then also what were the real issues happening from a, like, you know, physical standpoint um, and, and go through that study. So I would say, like, that was the starting point. And then at Reebok, I was always, like, running, you know, across the building from, like, the innovation lab back to, like, my actual job as, like, marketing and merchandising. So I think many people knew I was interested in, in both of those worlds. And so it was uh it was always a reference point to me to, like, truly understand product. And it, it really always starts from product. And so my, my path has always been, you know, obsessed about product and then, like, all those minor details and then applying that through the filter, you know, of, of what's intuitive to me and it comes down to design overall right you need some percentage of understanding of form and function and you can translate that into many different things so you know form being aesthetic or look or shape and uh, function being the actual properties and you know uh, of, the, of the product
0: So I guess what, what were some of your lessons learned from your time at, at Reebok, you know, some of the takeaways and then what led you, you know, to, to jump to Adidas?
1: Yeah. Um, Reebok was fun. I still have a lot of my closest friends who I met, you know, during my time at Reebok. And, uh, one of the biggest learnings I had when I was there, uh, was just, you know, be confident in the ideas that you have and present them in a manner um that you know need to be presented and so uh i started off as an intern at reebok and was able to go full-time and a lot of that was due to just me having crazy ideas and people who supported them and me being able to execute them you know across all fronts and so i was always one to to have a side project ready in addition to my daytime job and i think that's important in any position that people are in just you know show your passion through things outside of your day-to-day um, and just upon the the network and like the friendships I was able to build during my time at Reebok um, an opportunity came up to actually move over to, to Germany and, and work for Adidas and so I don't know if you many people know but Reebok is part of the Adidas group and so uh, a really good friend of mine still um, he had moved out to Germany maybe six months prior to him giving me a call maybe longer Uh, His name is Jimmy Manley, and he's over at Converse still and one of my personal mentors and great friends. And uh, he sort of gave me a call, just pitching me the crazy idea of moving over to Europe. And, uh, you know, I've never really left New York or traveled outside of the States before that, and it was an opportunity I felt like I couldn't even hesitate uh, by saying no to. And he's someone I trust and sort of still keep in touch with. And, again, I, I knew it probably was the best decision to take. And looking back, it was definitely one of the best decisions I made in my life, and I learned so much. So I uh, took the opportunity to work for him and his team over at Adidas um, just after my time at Reebok. And uh, that's where I had my formal entry as like a product manager I'm on the industry. So um, you know, that's where you're sort of at the center of product creation. Um, you're part of what people in the industry call the triad. And that, that's a, a mix of the product manager or product line manager or some brands call it the product marketing manager, um, the designer, and then your developer. And so across those three teams, you're really responsible for bringing the product to life from concept to, to, to creation. And so I worked on the, uh, the Adidas Consortium business, um, which was a part of you know, the, the energy sort of business unit of Adidas on the lifestyle side. Um, so worked with Jimmy on you know building a strategy, working with our designers and developers on all of the uh, consortium collaborations at the time. So we worked on projects with you know all the top retailers globally, from you know partners like Kith to, to Bodega um, to Dover Street Market, um, and really you know driving energy for for the wider Adidas brand. Um, that was like my true entry to product, and it was probably the most learning I had in terms of how our products developed and created. Um, You know, we had factory trips as a team every six months um, just to review the season and really, you know, finalize all edits that needed to be made. And then just from like a process standpoint, it was the most engaging and um, sort of uh, just like developed, you know, way of working in terms of design process. Um, We had a really good team, so it was always fun and dynamic.
0: Did, um, I guess, did you feel overwhelmed at times? Like what was it like to go into that first real product management or, you know, product management type role? Um, Did you feel overwhelmed at times? What do you wish you would have known stepping into that, that kind of a position?
1: Yeah. um, I would say for anyone who's interested in a product role, it's still extremely beneficial if possible to, to learn about. The role that merchandising indoor sales plays. So when I was at Reebok, I was fortunate to play. Uh, I was a merchandising manager uh, during the time. So having an understanding of, you know, your, the true bottom line of your business is highly important. And breaking that down, you know, from thirty thousand feet where you're looking at, you know, business expectations for the season, all the way down to your margins at, a, you know, an individual product level. If you can connect those dots, and that's like the aspirational goal, if you can connect those dots, you're kind of unstoppable. And so, um, you know, my time at Adidas was really trying to take what I've learned before that from like, you know, higher level in terms of sales growth and really understanding the business to then bringing that down to how you can, you know, better design or, you know, bring a product to life, you know, to to optimize your your process, but then also your cost. So I would say the biggest learning would just be connecting everything to the true business objectives.
0: Right. Um, we're going to fast forward a little bit because I, I imagine um, when, when you're kind of creating that plan, um, you know, and trying to figure out what, what's going to make it into the line and what's not and what you're going to cut. Um, I mean, I imagine the process of doing that, even a, you know, at the beginning of this year or the beginning of, you know, the end of last year, um, let alone when you were at Adidas and Reebok, that looks so different now, I imagine, right? Um, trying to figure out what's going to make it, what's going to not. Um, in this COVID world um, where, where budgets are, are getting cut, um, you know, we'll, we're going to fast forward a little bit. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective now with your role at On, um, has your view of product changed? Have you, have you had to look at, okay, here's the line, um, you know, here's the assortment that, that we want to, to push out. Um, do you, are, are they getting slimmer? Are you having to make more conscious decisions over what, what's going to go and what's going to not? Um, I, I'm just curious from that perspective, how is COVID affecting, um, how you view what types of products you, you move forward with?
1: Yeah. Um, with my role at on, it, it's a, it's a bit less, uh, you know, centered in product in its true form from my previous roles, but you know we work with a, a large team where everybody has an influence in the process, and we have a strong product team out in Zurich who builds out the seasons. And my role in the current process, as it still develops with On, is to, you know, provide, you know, I think a more, you know, seasonal, pers- you know, perspective in terms of what the key stories might be and. From a marketing side, how can we package some of these products into a way that's appealing? And so the businesses aren't, I'd say, you know, as transferable as you might think from the brands I've been with to, to On, but I think being at On, one thing I appreciate with the team is their their passion and I think, you know, investment in just in data and like really understanding the consumer um, that we are currently in sort of building with as well as the, the ones we want to connect with in the future. And so from even my entry to the, the industry up until now, there's a, a lot that's happened in terms of how data is used um, in the processes and what that looks like. So I'd say on is extremely um, forward thinking and just how we're using data um, to connect with our consumers and bring the right products to life up front.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to, to jump too far ahead. Um, Cause I also want to hear about your converse days and, and what led led to that decision and, and maybe some lessons from, from that time. Yeah,
1: I mean, um, just before Anna I spent almost two years working with Converse, another amazing chapter of my life, um, working with friends, which I think is the best thing you can do. If you have the, the privilege to work with close friends and have fun, It's, it's really nothing to it. So um, I had the ability to work with people I just got along with and was able to have dinner with and just kick it with. So um, Converse, again, um a different business model coming from Adidas, rooted in more heritage than, you know, I think sport. But our references of sport obviously are tangible to basketball culture and, you know, some of even the, the products that we designed for the military going, you know, farther back. So my, my time at Converse was, again, positioned around this, like, energy collaboration space. Um, so I had, you know, the great opportunity to work with some of the, you know, impactful partners that Converse still works with um, from the entertainment side to, you know, your, your fashion designers. Um, so I'd say the, the positioning and how we worked with product was similar to my knowledge coming from Adidas. Um, but just considering the brand having a deeper, you know, heritage and I guess less product in terms of innovation, you just have to structure the business a bit differently.
0: Right. Um,
1: so uh, a fun time and it, it, it just validated you know, my, my gut feeling as to how much the Chuck means, you know, just the everyday consumer as well as like Americana and, you know, just style in terms of classic look. So it it was, it was fun during that.
0: So it seems like you've always had an appreciation or an understanding of like the heritage um, of different products. Um, Did your time at Converse solidify that and, and, you know, I guess the, your curiosity to, to dig into the, the history of products. And I mean, that's how we got connected was, was this mutual, um, interest in, in the history of, of brands and product. Um, is that something that you always had, or is that something that, that developed, um, you know, you, you developed an even deeper appreciation for through that experience?
1: No, I've always been obsessed with product and certain brands in a certain space. And I'd say, uh, my immediate team at Converse was one where we'd spend hours just like geeking out about you know, certain brands or things that might be relevant when we're creating these packs. And so um, members on our design team uh, would actually be way, way more knowledgeable than you know, myself at times. But I think all of us coming together and like, truly geeking out about some of these things is probably one of the most memorable times because it'd be those times when you know, you, you're all in a room you know, past five, six o'clock and you're, you're the only ones there and you're, you've got the whiteboard up and, you know, and there are a few beers on the table and you're kind of just really talking through what things mean and, you know, that's when the, the creativity sparks and the ideas come out. And so uh, I've always been obsessed with, with product um, and heritage is always a part of that when you talk about brands long-term. So even when we brought partners in, some of the best times were when we brought the partners to the converse archive and uh, our his name is Sam as well. Um, him digging through the crates and like the racks and things that he's still looking for on eBay and from, from finders and just seeing the reactions of some of our partners. Those are some of the best sort of, um, interactions.
0: Now with your, your new role at on, um, you're going from a heritage brand to a, a a a new brand right um i guess how does that influence you know the the role that you're in currently with with a brand that's relatively new um that's trying that's establishing itself um i guess what yeah what, where do you see, you know, that appreciation, that understanding of like heritage product, um, you know, taking a role in, in the position that you're in now and, and trying to establish, you know, I, I imagine for you, you want to be able to create product that people have that similar feeling for. Right. Um, and, you know, hopefully 10, 20, 30 years down the road, there's a history that people can look back on when it, when it comes to a company like on as well. Um, and they, they can reference it as a heritage brand. Um, I, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, something we consider in just uh, the design process. And so one of the biggest uh, you know, parts of me joining on and why I'm, I'm interested in being part of the team is because I'm a part of this core group who's able to build up you know, part of the brand for the future. And so it, it, it's a benefit that we have as a brand that we don't have a deep heritage, in my opinion, because we, we can talk the future where it isn't so abstract. Or unfamiliar. It's actually part of our DNA that we don't have a deep heritage. So I appreciate that point in time. And so another thing I appreciate with the ON team and just what's part of our values and DNA is, you know, the obsession with Swiss design and our approach to engineering and design. So everything that we design, or the team designs in Zurich, there is a consistent, you know, DNA and approach to it. It's all rooted in everything that the brand stands for. And so the the products are still tested in the headquarters backyard when people are personally, you know, trail running or or hiking over the weekends. And so having that capability, you know, just as part of our natural love internally, but then using it as part of our our sort of R and D and just like design process is one element. And then, just with what Swiss design means for the larger influence it has on culture, you know, like, you know, font types, you know, architecture, you know, um, just spatial design, all of these things, there there are references to what Swiss design means to, to the world. And so, you know, on take to a lot of you know ownership and just like passion and really brings to life what that looks like for us, you know, on, on the product side.
0: So is it exciting for you to be able to, you, you almost, you kind of have a blank slate to work with in a way, right. Where the company is, is relatively new. Um, you don't have 50 years of, of heritage that you either have to live up to or feel tied down by. Um, but you have guidance, you know, coming out of, um, you know, you know, from Europe around what the brand means. Um, you know, I guess what excites you about, um, that opportunity to, to kind of have a blank slate to work with. I mean, that, that sounds both daunting, um, as well as a great opportunity. Yeah. Especially uh-huh. when you're, when you're kind of pushing a new category for the company, right. Um, on the lifestyle side on as traditionally like very performance, right. Um, you know, now, now there's an opportunity to break out into the lifestyle. Um, and you get to pioneer that in a way. What, what is that experience like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, there isn't one thing that I'm excited for the 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 list goes on and you'd see my my notes on my phone or I've got, you know, my physical notebook. I think ideas are constantly flowing. And just like, as you mentioned with the blank slate, there's endless opportunity um, within the brand. And so one thing we, we, we don't want people to forget. And one thing we always consider in our process is our strong roots in performance as we develop the lifestyle business, because we do place a lot of investment and in, in emphasis on the work that's put behind the technology that the brand has developed and what that truly means, you know, and there's no question behind that. And so, um, so some of the things I'm excited about are, you know, just the types of products we can create, um, the, the ability that we can, you know, bring access to, I think, this sport of running and, like, the outdoors to communities who might not, have had access to, to these things in the past. It's one of the conversations we've had in terms of just, you know, community empowerment and just access to these sports that we're rooted in. Um, but then also just pushing um, everything forward in terms of innovation and, you know, product, both from a design standpoint, but then also how people experience the product. Um, you know, our list is long in terms of what we're ideating and talking through.
0: I'm curious from your perspective, you're, you're a student of the outdoor industry. Um, that term outdoor is really broad in my, in, in my definition, but I think everyone has a different definition for what it is. Some people think outdoors, the traditional outdoor, like rock climbing, skiing, like your pure outdoor experience. I like to think of it as a more broad, you know, it's more activity, you know, probably should refer to it as more of the active industry, right? Anything that requires activity, um, more than outdoor. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just curious your, your take on that. Cause I think outdoor traditionally has felt very exclusive. Whereas, um, on takes the performance of outdoor, but applies it, you know, to running and, and, and running is, is very accessible to so many people, right? I think it makes the outdoor industry more accessible to people, whether you are in a large city or you're, you know, you know, in, in, in the Rocky mountains. Right. Um, so I I think there's just an interesting opportunity there. And I imagine that's something that you, you consider, right. Is this opportunity to provide and like democratize the outdoors and activity for, for more people. Is that, is that something that you've thought about as you've been kind of studying the outdoor industry? Um,
1: you know, when you like me studying the outdoor industry, I think is more through the lens of, uh, being a consumer of the product um you know I was like a boy scout when I was younger I did hike and go camping occasionally but it wasn't I would say a regular part of like my lifestyle right I've always been obsessed with a lot of what it depicted and it was always aspirational and so now being in a position where you know we can craft what that looks like for you know communities and people today is highly you know um you know impactful and It'll, it'll be fun in that process. And so for me, um, the the learning comes with just how things have evolved over time. And so, I mean, even just what we were talking about with, you know, last few months, people all undergoing different things, you know, during the, the pandemic and how they were sort of interacting with their day to day. You know, I think, people are always going to seek function and, you know, outdoor brands have created the, the highest level of functionality, you know, within their product. And so how that's applied or recontextualized is, is up to the consumer and the people on their own. And so when you think about outdoor and why it's appealing, it really comes down to just an evolution of, of people's lifestyles. And so what that looks like today is people just needing, you know, simpler, you know, within their lives, but then, you know, just, higher quality and more functioning and then within like the lifestyle space and like fashion space people have been able to adopt you know those those things because it is you know higher quality of product and it is you know certain levels of of looks that that makes sense and so um a a lot of that is sort of being you know they're all inputs into our process
0: the outdoor industry is 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 known, as you've said, for performance product for you know traditionally more sustainable, um, or at least you know there's there's some thoughtfulness about um, you know where the products are made, how it's produced, um, and what materials. Um, I guess in the current situation in the pandemic, do you see you know in in your research when you're um, thinking about who's buying product? do you see people being so much more conscious of those decisions? Um, because money's tighter. Um, there's more uncertainty. Do you see people being a little more thoughtful around? Okay. Maybe I don't need to get a new, um, the newest style of, of on running shoes. Maybe I'll, I'll try to stretch my old pair a little bit longer, um, rather than, you know, upgrade every year. Um, and, and on the, on the marketing side and the product side, um, do you see a future where, you know, companies are are not trying to push the newest style every year? You know, I've heard some people say, you know, what is a season anymore, right? In in an age where every day feels like years in a way where it's like our seasons have kind of gone away. Um, so where, where do you see some of that kind of shaking out? You know, how does that influence, um, you know, how you move forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, for us at On, it's less about, we're rarely, you know, pushing product in that sense, you know, in terms of our our latest, you know, innovation or or performance product. Um, There is an education piece to where products do only last to a certain period of time if you run in them for X amount of miles or X amount of months. So we want to promote, you know, the evolution of our product, you know, in that lens versus, you know, just creating product to create product. And so one thing that On does really well and that we – we sort of take true investment in is not diluting the marketplace, you know, and really treating the best of the best product um, for what we're designing them for. And so, you know, even on the personal level, I'd, I'd much rather spend a bit more on, you know, a pair of, you know, highly functional like trail pants if they look good over a brand that might be inspired by that same pant, you know, and so when I say that brand, it's within the fashion space, you know? And so I think people are just being smarter in terms of how they can, you know, use the different products that they're sort of interacting with across the different spaces that they engage with. So people's lifestyles aren't as linear as they were 20 years ago. And so because of that, they're looking for product that can translate into those different spaces. And so it, it, that also translates as to why outdoor, you know, or like performance product is so appealing, you know, in, you know, fashion in, in the lifestyle spaces. And it's all an evolution. Again, a reference to people's lifestyles. And so it's funny, I was reading this article, uh, an archive of an article from the early, late 80s, early 90s. And they were talking about the, the huge boom of chinos and like khaki pants, and how the gap was like, you know, on the rise. And you look at that, now you're like, see anybody wearing khaki pants you know (laughs) on a day-to-day basis and so that you know just connecting those dots from when you know chinos or khaki pants were like your everyday sort of casual pant outside of work that translated into denim and now it's pretty common for people to be wearing you know you know sweats or you know you know pants of that nature that are more functional or performance-led
0: Do you see kind of a next evolution of that and where you're in lifestyle product? I'm sure you're hyper aware and and trying to figure out where, where are we going next? How much do you see on kind of pushing kind of the the next iteration of whatever that is?
1: Um, I I can speak personally. I don't think there's a trend in in outdoor lifestyle space. Like people have tried to, you know, coin this short window of outdoor being a trend. I just, see it evolving, you know, to things, having more value, um, product with more quality and, you know, more intent and, and just function. So I don't see it being a trend or a short window. I just see it evolving, you know, a bit more.
0: Mm. Oh, I like that. That's great. Um, you know, from a company perspective, we, we talked a little bit about this. I mean, everyone has, has been hard hit. Um, some, you know, much more than others. Um, you know, companies are struggling, um, it's, it's been interesting to see a company like on, um, you guys seem busy. Um, you know, you've got a lot coming and I, I just talked to someone from a different brand recently and they said, we got to keep working. I mean, we work two years out. Um, so it's not like we can stop making product. We, we, you know, we, we gotta be hopeful that at least, you know, in two years, right, we're going to be in a better place and people are going to be buying this product that we're producing now, but we can't just, you know, take, take a season off. Um, you know for on it um, you know you you've uh, announced a a shoe with Roger Federer you've got new product launching Um, it seems like um, there's hiring happening Um, what do you think on is is doing right that allows for um, I mean for this optimism around the company
1: yeah Um, I would say that there's a lot of authenticity and just truth to how we speak about technology and our investment in innovation. So, all of our product is rooted and sort of designed with that high level and high regard. Um, our authenticity in, in running and outdoor, I think, is something we're always going to speak about and something that people are attracted to because there, there is that you know you know premium. Uh, level and just like high level of quality being put into our product, and then just the the nature of present day, you know, more people are just generally interested in running. We want to be a brand who's a part of that in ways to support the conversation of why running, you know, is good and part of your, you know, should be a part of everyone's like, you know, physical and mental health. I think it's a combination of those two things and people wanting newness. You know, I think with everything happening, you know, present day there There's people are going through like you know refreshes and you know new starts within their personal lives and you know as a new brand you know we're bringing something that's highly attractive, um, highly authentic, and I think just has a a long-term sort of um, opportunity. So people are interested in in newness right now.
0: Right. It seems like I mean people want to stay active. There's a little bit of cabin fever going on, right? People want to get out. They want to be active. They want to get out of the same four walls that they've been in. Um, but they want to do that safely. Um, I mean, we, we talked with um, someone from Specialized and they said bike sales are off the charts. I mean, yeah. so many more people looking to get into biking, um, you know, with, with gyms closed um, and even with gyms reopening, a lot of people hesitant about um, going back into those environments. Uh, We just released an episode um, with with someone who's really, you know, keyed into consumer insights and research. And he said, you know, a lot of those people, um, you know, a lot of people surveyed have said, I probably won't ever go to a gym again, even if they do open. Right. And even if they do take precautions, I'm not going to go back. Um, And so I imagine for for people like you in the running space or in cycling, I mean, running is, um, is, is much easier to get into, right. It requires one piece of equipment, right. Rather than, um, that that's, you know, there's less of a barrier to entry. Right. Um, and for most people, the trail is right out their front door, right. you know? Yeah. You know, everyone's got a road in front of their house, or at least most people do. So, um, you know, rather than, you know, having to buy a you know thousand plus dollar bike, um you know mm. or you know whatever it is so it seems like there's there's a lot of excitement around that what what type of um you know for you where you're in marketing and i, and I think this this is something the outdoor industry has had to do for for decades is how do we educate people on the activities that they're going to participate in um you know what kind of a responsibility do you, do you feel to educate people you you talked a little bit about um you know educating people on the lifespan of their shoe Um, you know, to be honest for a long time, that's something I didn't even think about. It's like, Oh, I'll just wear them until they, you know, fall apart. It's like, well, that's probably not the best way to go about it. Um, you know, that's something the outdoor industry has had to do for a long time because of the high risk activities, uh, you know, involved in the outdoor industry. Um, so how, you know, do you take elements of that as something that you've, that that's something you've seen from the outdoor industry that you, you take with you. Um, and, um, you know, what does that look like for you having to educate people on well how to run and you know how to make an educated decision about what kind of shoe you choose and yeah. I guess, you know is that different from previous marketing um roles that you've had where maybe you haven't had to educate the consumer so much on on their choices
1: um, no I mean even personally my my in my opinion the the best form of marketing right is arguably any form of education right and so if you're really talking about anything in its, in its truth and like what it, you know, what you really stand for, you're truly just educating, um, to your community. And so, you know, I think when we talk about, you know, running and just educating people on the sport and, you know, what on stands for, and it's twofold. It's one like yourself. So introspectively, and that goes both physically as well as like mentally, um, but then also like how you interact with your environment, right? And so that becomes a conversation around sustainability. And so I think a lot of work that we're doing is understanding, you know, sustainability has been a a buzzword in the industry, I think, the past few years, but it's the right direction that we're all going in. But I think we all have to really just do the right research to understand what it truly means. And so when I look at how people interact with product and what brands uh, are doing, it's all about educating how it can benefit them and their individual lifestyles, as well as the awareness that we can bring to them with how they use that product within their environment. You know, and so that that's really, I think, how I've been approaching you know education through the lens of marketing.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, well, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time, but um, you know, we'll kind of wrap it up this way. Back on a personal note, um, like, how what have you learned? Um, about yourself um, through the current experience um, that we're all going through when it comes to to COVID nineteen, um, what have you learned about yourself? You know, working remotely, um, you know, being in this current situation, what, what's that been like from you? And are there some takeaways that you've been able to to learn?
1: Yeah, um, a few a few different things. Um, I'm, I'm realizing just some of the things that I truly enjoy. You know that I probably didn't take time to think about, you know, in my day to day previously. So I am taking more time to get outdoors, and you know, being in New York, I think there's a misconception as to how uh, how inaccessible or how like far you are from getting outdoors. It's actually pretty easy, and I think it's just a barrier to entry. And so even for myself, it seems distant and inaccessible. But I've been doing my research and for getting outdoors and just learning. How to, how to create new traditions and new routines for myself. Um, I'm realizing I can't run as long as I used to in terms of mileage, so uh, I'm changing up like my running styles throughout the week. Um, and then, to be honest, just being based in New York, also saving a lot of money, not eating out as much, so uh, that that's helping out. And so overall, just I think creating new habits, developing new routines, and those things lend to, I think new traditions that you can you know develop with your friends and family. So that's been the
0: best part, right? Oh, that's great. And then, and then maybe one last question, kind of the future um, of On. Um, you know, what excites you about, and maybe the future of On and the future of the industry. What excites you moving forward? I want to end on an optimistic note, if if possible. Exactly. But of
1: course, of course. Uh, I mean, excited to what you know, for on, I'm excited to what we're gonna, you know, be coming out with. And, you know, I think bringing in new audiences and just new people who might not be aware of the brand, I think bringing our consumers closer to our process. And again, the best form of marketing being education, you know, allowing them to see our, you know, our brand values and what we stand for and like really standing for those. And from an industry side, it, it goes alongside that. It's just like, Um, brands I think standing up and I think actually taking uh, responsibility for some of the things that you know were probably unspoken of in the past and so I'm excited to see just people and communities you know speaking up and you know social media being used for certain things and then you know I'm optimistic for brands to actually stand for some of the things that we're going through and that they're talking through now from a marketing perspective I'm optimistic you know that you know, the the strong brands will sort of stand by those things long-term and really grow their business, you know, and evolve their models, you know, based on these inputs.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. I love that. Well, Samuel, thanks for taking time. This has been great. Um, You know, it's been fun to talk to you um, back and forth over the last few weeks and, um, you know, have some mutual, um, you know, interest and passion for for this industry and especially for for the history side and i'm glad that's the way that we got connected um but appreciate you taking some time and just sharing your perspective Um excited for the future of on and, and everything that you all have have going and and the future of some collaborations that that we've been talking about as well so thanks again for for taking a little bit to talk about it
1: uh, thanks for the opportunity definitely more to come
0: thanks for listening to the highlander podcast Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on HighlanderMag.com, and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cash Valley.